welcome back to the Awesome Friday Games podcast. My name's Simon, and each week I take a close look at a game that's caught my attention, and I do my best to put into words exactly how it's got its hooks in me. A reminder that Awesome Friday is fully independent and supported purely by ads and donations. I also record a regular movie podcast with Matt, and the site has a multitude of interesting articles. So, if you like what you hear and read, please consider recommending us to a friend, write a review on your podcast provider of choice, or even donate via our Ko-fi or Patreon. The Games Podcast is written and produced by me, and like everything on our site, it's built out of love for movies and games. So any and all engagement is greatly appreciated. So relax and enjoy, as this week I dive into one of my absolute favourite gaming combinations, music and gameplay. My obsession with music-based games goes way back, and looking back now, I understand why they took such hold. From a very early age, I was aware that I could see music. Beats would often become pulsing shapes, rhythm lines, swirling colours, and harmonies, tiny beating lights in my periphery. For a long, long time, I thought this was a normal thing that happened to everyone, but it wasn't until my early 20s that I learnt about synesthesia. This is where your brain models up sensory input so you can see music or smell memories or taste colours. It's definitely become more muted as I got older, but I still love how my brain gets it wrong sometimes. Out of all of them, it's music that has constantly affected my eyes as well as my mood. It probably won't come as any surprise then when I tell you my favourite game of all time is a famous rhythm action game, Tetsuya Mizuguchi's Res. The gameplay of sweeping across Tron-esque enemies and wiping them out to the beat of electronic music is something I go back to again and again, and Mizuguchi's other games all exhibit his amazing talent to tap into and actually use synesthesia as part of the gameplay loop. The main reason I still have my PlayStation Vita charged is to settle in for an hour of luminous electronic playground, hoping I manage to get an elusive ultra bonus just as the beat kicks in during Hey Boy, Hey Girl. I've never done drugs, but I can't imagine it feels much better than that. It makes sense then that a new music-based game will always catch my attention, though more often than not I'm left disappointed. It could be that the music isn't the driving force that I need, and even Misaguchi had that problem in Child of Eden. Or the gameplay isn't synced correctly to the beat, or the design treats the music as background rather than integral to the experience. The problem is likely two things. One, my standards for the effect I want these games to have on me is incredibly unrealistically high. And two, it turns out that Mitsuguchi is a genius, and tying music to gameplay is incredibly hard. So the game I want to talk about this week is a Switch Curio that has a riff on Luminous that is so compelling it's taken me completely by surprise. It also has a mechanic that is so much the inverse of how games usually work, it actually took me ages to accept what it was trying to make me do. The game is called Red, White, Yellow Cruising on the Switch, which is such a Misaguchi title. <laughs> and you can buy it for a ridiculously cheap price in the eShop. Here in Canada, it's a little over $16. Now, yes, the Switch eShop is an uncurated mess, so I guess it's not a massive surprise that no one else is really talking about it. 
but I'm still a little surprised it hasn't got much traction. It's had no marketing that I could see, and it does little on its store pages to convince you to part with your money. The basic premise is this. Sets of blocks fall in shapes, Tetris style, and each individual block is affected by gravity, so they'll split and settle on the lowest point below them. The blocks can be one of three colours, red, white, and yellow, obviously, and when six of them touch in any configuration, they get shaded in as a group. Then they disappear in that order to the beat of the music every four or eight bars. So far, so luminous. The difference here is that if you don't have a touching area of six of the right colored blocks by the time the music wants you to have them, everything stops. Well, when I say everything, what I really mean is the music. Instead of the whole song, it dips down to a muted volume and plays a quiet loop of its most basic chords. It's like someone dropped the speaker into a pool. It stays that way until you connect six blocks, then it suddenly bursts back into life. Of course, you're so busy scrambling to make the colour set of six to enjoy it. And when I started playing, that fail state of jarring volume drops felt like it was presenting an impossible task, especially as not every drop contains all three colours. It felt really unfair. At a bit of a loss as to what I was missing, I actually watched the brief tutorial. And yes, I know, but I've been playing games for so long that I usually skip that part as quickly as possible. Also, it's a music-based matching block game. What could I possibly not know about those? Well, it turns out, Red, White, Yellow Cruising had a twist for me. And it's that twist that has absolutely got me obsessed. It wants you, the player, to rethink perceived fail states. Of course, just like Tetris, it's game over when the blocks hit the ceiling. That's not new. But the dipping of the music when you fail to match six colored blocks in time, that interrupted beat feels like someone has forcefully yanked out some cables. I spent the first hour trying to frantically match blocks in time, cursing at the lack of separate stacks, because when it's time, all the six matched blocks of that color disappear or for a free play mode, as if being beholden to the beat diminished the game on a base level. However, once it maps out the basic gameplay matching rule, the tutorial addresses these beat drops, but instead of treating them as a frustration, it presents them as an opportunity. The music is still there, after all, waiting patiently in the background. It picks up when you match six again, and it always tells you in its changing border what the next color should be. So what if you avoided that color for a moment? Instead of quickly completing the matching set, what if you stacked up other colors for their turn? Then, beyond that, what if you started paying attention to what will happen when those blocks disappear? and the blocks above fall onto the same colors below. It's a real eureka moment, in that it suddenly makes you realize that what you thought was a fail state was actually a chance to prepare for the future of the song. The game invites you to take a breath and build, finding gaps to snake your six blocks through the space and stack others around that might tumble at just the right time. Then, when you're almost out of space, you can trigger the target color and revel in the absolute euphoric delight of the song continuing uninterrupted, 
with all your building blocks triggered in sync. The game counts these and keeps a record of your combos. My highest is 15. Pure elation. It also helps that the soundtrack is great. The game actually appears to be a collaboration between designer Takehiro Miyazawa, who seems to make lots of smaller Android games, and Japanese music producer Sinsuke, who makes the kind of easy summer electronica that you'd hear at a friend's barbecue and immediately become enthralled. It's not just the jazzy beats that are just the right amount of dreamy. There's also lyrics like, I made up of pieces of the boys I've loved before. Maybe if I put them together, I could love you more. That do a fantastic job of throwing you backwards into memory. And the game knows this. Each drop of the beat is precisely framed and expertly placed so that when the music kicks back in, it's a joyous explosion of positivity that feels like your own little remix. And that's it. There's two game modes, short track, five songs, and long track, ten songs, that loop around if you complete, pushing for laps of high scores that are recorded on the selection screen. There's no playlist mode, no game variants, nothing else to do but dive in and hold on as the blocks gradually start falling faster. And I've become fascinated by this gameplay loop that asks me to reconsider failure as a moment to build something great. I'm utterly hooked by its effect on the music, both in the quieter moments and then when I cannot breathe when the combos start to stack. I'm constantly shocked when, for some reason, a missed red block set will suddenly plunge everything into darkness and silence. The sheer horror of that moment standing out until you desperately connect six and the sunshine starts again. But most of all, I cannot shake the feeling that this is a riff on Luminous that actually works in itself, giving me the same highs as triggering the forementioned ultra bonus. And saying a music game feels like it could have been touched by Mizuguchi himself is about the highest compliment I can give. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week for another Awesome Friday Games podcast. Goodbye. (laughs) 